Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello. Welcome to my first podcast. I'm Sam Wars. I haven't got a name for this podcast yet. I think it's possibly going to be called Car Chat. I am here with Aaron Edgeworth. Aaron Edgeworth. Who's a buddy of mine. Hello. And we are on the way, currently, to the Spa 24 Hours Blanc Pain in a Lexus LC500 Plus Sport. Sport Plus. Sport Plus. Aaron. Aaron. Yes. Do you want to just introduce yourself? Hello, guys. What you are, what you do? I'm, I'm Aaron Edgeworth. I'm a friend of Sam's. I'm involved in the car business in so much that I am a car dealer based in London for the company The Car Co. Chelsea. And I do a lot of work with, well, a few of the influencers, kind of the corporate connection, stuff like that. Part of the reason that um, we're doing this together. And yeah, that's me. Sam and I met. A year and a half ago at Goodwood, actually through uh, Tim Schmidt, who many of you may know anyway. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, the, 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 the glory of a mutual love of cars has uh, kind of stuck us together, which has been nice. Yeah, and we are in this Lexus. Yeah. Because Lexus UK have uh, kindly invited me and Aaron to go to Spa and basically hang out for a weekend. Yeah. And then see what we think of the car. Yes. Have you... Uh, have you ever been to a 24-hour event before? I haven't been to a 24-hour event, nor have I ever been to spa. So for me, this is, you know, this is really a pretty joyous weekend to be spending. The car itself, so we picked up, if any of you don't know what the Lexus LC range actually is, it's essentially the range-topping super GT Coupe Cruiser. You know, think S-Class Coupe. Um, and you'd be along the right lines. Um, they do it in two guises. We're in the five-litre naturally aspirated V8, good for 470 brake. And on our return journey, we're going to be in their hybrid, which is a three and a half-litre V6 mated to their electric motor. 
So we're going to be able to see kind of two angles of it. Maybe we'll do a little follow-up on one of these on the way back as well. Yeah, we'll see see how this one yeah. goes. <laughs> and see if we've got any more stuff to chat about. Yeah, true. true. Um, and then uh, see where we go. Now, my sort of thing was saying, obviously, introduce what we're doing. Yeah. And then just talk about some of the things that have happened this week or around now and see what your opinions are. My, my thoughts yeah. on various topics and bring up my little list Ooh, the first topic, one topic one topic number one other than I really wish we had the aircon on oh, but yeah. we turned it off yeah. to get better audio and it's sort of 40 degrees outside and we're, we're slightly cooking but doing it for the cast topic number one BP 23 yeah the speed tail the speed tail which is the new McLaren range topper hypercar super mega GT F1 replacement kind of F1 replacement but I think the F1 when it was designed was just designed to be the best road car in the world and it just so happened to be really fast yeah this is designed to be super fast but in luxury like the Veyron and the Chiron and I think more of that sort of thing whereas they've got the Senna which is a bit below which is an interesting car we saw it a yeah. very interesting one this week. Yeah. The, I don't know if you, it's possible to put in the podcast notes. I don't know whether you can do that sort of thing. Show a picture. Or show, bring a link into it. I yeah. don't know. We're going to have to We're gonna have to investigate some Work technology. Out some technology stuff. But there's a center that came out this week. That looks like the Veyron Law Blanc. Yeah. Uh, those of you that know if you look Veyron up, special Google the, yeah there's this Veyron that they sort of said it had a like porcelain a, it's porcelain coating porcelain. now whether that's true or not I have no idea but it's like white with these blue sort of stripy stuff and someone has made a Senna that looks near as damn it exactly the same yeah and then has kind of said that there's nothing to do with the other one now it may not have been I feel like someone in the process should yeah. have gone, hey guys, do you know about that this looks yeah. quite similar to yeah. that other car? It's like someone at Aldi should have said to them that the new A5 bonnet came off a of Mondeo. Exactly. Like, it, 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 it's one of those things that's almost so glaringly obvious that you're kind of like, that's why they missed it. You know? But I think what happens with these design teams, like, and fair enough, you spend so long designing something and, and your process of it, that no one's going to come into you after two years and you're like this is the design and you go yeah but you know that looks yeah, like this yeah yeah you, you you know you're kind of ripping off something else there or, yeah. or also no one's ever going to say oh that that looks crap yeah it's like no, no one no one probably had the the temerity shall I say to say to Mr. Sammy Lee uh, Junior um, the swept tail buddy is a great idea Maybe it doesn't look that great, though. I think it's all right. Oh, uh, well, you, you're... This, ladies and gentlemen, coming from a man that isn't a massive fan of the Enzo. Yeah, I don't like the Enzo. No, I know. We went through this the other day. I'm surprised I'm actually still here, admittedly, but, yeah. We agreed to disagree on that one. So, anyway, BB23. <laughs> shall I tell you the thing that was most frustrating for me in seeing the, the launch of that car? But they've all the, sold, and we don't even know what it looks that's like. That's the point. But they, but they, the people that have ordered it do know what it looks like. Well, no, that's all very well, and I understand that. Now, my issue is that, that this happens a lot in the kind of... In, in, 
the car business nowadays is that you get special editions or you get limited number cars and they make these official announcements for it and you could walk in 32 seconds after the announcement to your local dealer but the answer will still be they're all sold out yeah. which means that you know they've spent three months prior to launching the car selling the car or two, just, all the two years all the two years well, well it, it, true to say it could be up to two years or, or however long but the point I'm making is that they're, they, they've number one they've obviously safeguarded their costs out the fact that they know they're going to make it on the back end but it just means that for your car person or your, your you know your purchaser unless you are one of those people that's on their you know, on their their radar enough to be someone that's getting a phone call six months prior to launch, you're never getting one. Yeah, you're never going to be able to buy this three million euro pound, euro car or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, or whatever it is, you know. You, but it is ridiculous, and that applies to so many cars. So many cars. Like, let's say, uh, I know some. Let's say you wanted a new G3 RS when that came out. Yeah. Like, oh my god, this is the sickest thing ever. Or, or you've you've, you've You've waited until someone's reviewed it before you want to buy it. But let's not wet that one, you're way too late. Yeah, but it comes out of Geneva, you phone your dealership, yeah. and they say, okay, cool. You're, um, we're probably going to get three, yeah. and you're number 50 on the list. Yeah. What the UK guys seem to do is they then take that list and then re-look through it. Yes. So it's not, if you put your name down for a car five years ago, they don't care. Yeah, it doesn't they, matter. You know, they appreciate that, yeah. but, and they take that into account, but... If, if they, someone who's bought 400 everyday cars yep. over the last same period and then they ring up the day it's a lit release, ch- chances are they're going to get the car. Yeah, you. which I and, understand. And but it's fair it, enough. It, it, is, it is kind of frustrating though because we were, well, we both attended Goodwood on different days, um, but they did the launch of the McLaren 600 LT then. Now, yeah, I'd quite like to order one, but even though that was noted as the launch you know my frustration is that I could probably walk into let's say McLaren Knightsbridge tomorrow and order one but I'll be 793 on the list yeah. despite the fact that the official launch get was last week yeah I may not get one doesn't seem to make much sense it's but then again the, the demand for these cars these days is huge yes and, and I suppose as a, as a kind of well cyclical bringing us back a little bit more on point so the BP23 is going to be an interesting car, and I think it's it, it, it very much has lodged itself in this ever-increasing category of motor car that's probably above hypercar. Yeah, like I don't know what like what is a hypercar, what is a supercar. Yeah, I would say my view a supercar nowadays is like your two, three, four hundred thousand like kind of <laughs> everyday type thing, and then when you get into the million pound category of that that's for me is the hypercar kind of market so you but don't speed think isn't necessarily a thing okay so you you don't think it's a numbers game no because your 720s will steamroller most stuff funnily enough that was going to be my exact example <laughs> you know and, and it's true it will and it, your supercar or hypercar of five years ago yeah is going to get gt2 rs 991 gt2 rs is going to take the majority of vehicles made up yeah. until probably 2014 out of the window the cars that were made 20 years ago yeah. they're going to get beaten by a hot hatch yes um, so it's more I think it's more about the like the mental craziness and actually a lot of cars because of modern technology they're becoming easier to drive yep. and I think it's a bit of a bad thing because actually you want to get in the car and you kind of want to feel like it's going to kill you yes and that is an exciting thing yes you get in F40 for example you're very aware that your right foot 
is connected to a lot of boost yeah, yeah. and horsepower, your the brake pedal doesn't really do very much. Okay. And then your the A pillars are really thin and there's not much between your legs and walls. Yes. So you don't want to have an accident. No. And that in itself is slightly exciting. Yes, oh, I, very much so. I would like to drive a 720S, which is not known for being the most involving, exciting car. Mentally fast, yeah. but I am just, no one said, oh, it was like super involving. But turn the traction control off. Yeah. And drive it and see if it suddenly becomes, I reckon it becomes a lot more interesting Oh, I think just because obviously you your like sort of opportunity cost of yeah. pressing that button is quite high. But I think you're right. I think I think a car a car really comes alive under its own steam and nothing else. I always say that you know of all the kind of nine eleven variants I've driven, you can't actually. And I know it sounds a rather kind of you know simple statement, but you don't actually get much better than a bog standard Carrera. Two-wheel drive, slightly flying by the seat of your pants. You know, it's a lot more involving than a 4S, let's say. I disagree. Because for me, the GT cars are just another level. But the GT cars are the GT cars. I'm talking your standard 911 range. Yeah, and yes, if you go normal 911 and... Depending on which year, nine nine first gen nine nine one. You've got naturally aspirated, and you've got the noise. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you get to second gen, you get the turbo. Yeah. Which uh, I I drove a GTS uh, a four and a two recently, and actually I was very pleasantly surprised. Okay. On the outside, it doesn't sound very good. No. Right? It, it sounds okay. On the inside, it does actually just sound like a normal kind of nine eleven. Sounds like a nine eleven. It's got that noise. It doesn't rev crazy, but then again, the normal Carrera engine wasn't a crazy revving engine yeah yeah like driving something like the getting a gt4 versus like my gt3 rs that difference of the when you get to five going to eight yeah. and a half in a gt4 it just sort of gets there whereas in, in any of the gt cars it rips there and like and just they just tears into that limit <laughs> and that in itself is when the car becomes alive. Yeah. But like you said, coming back to that, two wheel drive, less sort of weight, yeah. less stuff. For me, a manual gearbox, yeah. uh, if you want to be involving. Paddles is a different thing, but on the road, I don't think you can beat a manual gearbox. No, unless no, unless yeah. it's your daily driver, and in which case I would compromise yes. for me and get a, an automatic. Like my M2 is an automatic. And people go, oh, why don't you get the manual? It's like, well, yeah, I, I want daily, so you kind of you know. It, it spends a lot of time that. in town, yeah, a lot of time yeah. cruising around when you can't be bothered, and actually on track, it is pretty good. Yeah, I know. I imagine it probably is. So, what are we? Do we have any figures on this? Because if we if we think about the general market that this car is going to be in, and we, we say market in the loosest possible term because no one's buying one. So, then, we yeah, have got sold BP twenty or hundred and six. So we got BB23, we've got Project One. I think the, we got Valkyrie. Yep. Um, Chiron and then whatever's uh, after oh, that the at some Chiron, point. There's that Chiron, there's a quick Chiron. There's a replacement to the Koenigsegg Agera. There's the Rugera. Coming, but uh, no, the, but the, the Agera is getting replaced. Oh, is it? Yep. Okay. There's things like the the Rimac, the new Rimac card's yeah. going to come at some point. The Apollo IE is Apollo a new Apollo IE, yep. I think that's a very interesting card to look at. Yep. 
But uh, one thing, I, a point that I w- want to sort of bring up about these cars is what are these cars used for? What is the point of the car? And, like, do they make sense? Okay. And if you'd asked me 10 years ago, yeah. just generally what was interesting about cars, I maybe 15 years ago, as, like, as I was young, it was the numbers, it was the stats, and I could reel off the stats of the top trumps of yeah. all the cars. Yeah. And when I, someone might get an RS3, and I loved my RS3, it was great. And you go, okay, well, I can get that remapped, and it'll be 500 horsepower, and it'll be faster than any supercar, blah, 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 blah. You get in that car, you drive it, and within a week, you've used to the speed, and it's no more involving in any other stage of its life. You could have just fit an exhaust yeah. and made it louder, and that would actually probably have made it more and involving. Or, or fulfilled that, that need that, that you need. thought you had anyway. Yeah, yeah, and you talk to people, I think any sort of turbocharged modern quick car has a bit of that in it. Like a 911 turbo for me, you the, the speed game is a game you get used to very quickly. Mm. And if it's a... So, ignoring that, what are you using the car for? Like a, a Senna is a track-focused track car. But so should it be used pretty much only on the track? But, but then but then why do they build the GTR? No, but the GTR is, is another level above, and that is But if it's, the track if, car. if the Senna's a track-focused car, that they went on, you know, because they, they waxed lyrical about the fact that it's ugly... Because it's about, you know, it's about function over form. Now... But it is, I guess, the the logic is it's a road car and you can drive it to the track. But my interest is, like, when you get a car that fast yeah. and that capable... Yeah. I haven't driven the centre on the road, so I can't say, but, like, is it more involving on the road? On the like, road. is it enough yeah. involving on the road? Like, basically, what is the point in it being so fast if you're just driving it on the road I would rather have for me lightweight is key yeah. and that car is definitely is super light so naturally it could be this, this that could be the equivalent of the modern day F40 like, so much power it's just crazy on the road but kind of like what's the point yeah it's like maybe just like that GT86 thing of having narrow tyres and you put there was a great video ages ago Chris Harris putting space savers on a yeah, C63 yeah, yeah, yeah. it was one of the best things I've ever seen because you went okay the car has 500 horsepower or 450 horsepower we're narrowing the, the rear section by half or like half the size so it's almost like having double the horsepower it's not yeah. quite but like that feeling of having a lot of horsepower in terms of driving rather than just a straight line speed yes. thing you can go narrower tyres less grip and have more fun by far so, for me, the, the Veyron never made sense when I was younger because mm. I kind I went through that numbers game, and then I started getting into driving. What it's about driving the actual car and going on track and doing that sort of stuff, and the actual mechanics of driving the car and what's involving. So speed kind of went out the window. Yeah. When you go, this is fast enough to be going far too fast on the road. So what's the point other than that? then it's the like okay I'm in this super luxurious thing that's very quick it's nice having a car that's got that performance on it but actually delivering it in a very comfortable environment mm. like the Veyron 
starts then to make a bit more sense because it's a road car and you want to excel on the road. Yeah. So actually, I'm starting to come back and go, well, actually, if you want to go that, that mental, crazy road, ultimate road experience, the speed, maybe you should be doing the GT route and then the BP23, which will have three seats. Yeah. I was lucky enough to go in an F1 with one of my uh, with two mates. One guy was driving it, and my other mate was sitting across it. And you're you're staggered back from yeah. the driver. So when you look to your right, your mate <laughs> is looking to their left, and both of you, your minds are being blown by how hilarious this is that there's three of you in this amazing car. Yeah, that's incredible. And this car will be that. It will be, but it, yeah. or no, that, that like. Okay. It's about that GT experience. My, and I suppose this is going to be slightly unfair because I, I don't. It's not a question of not having the best impression of McLaren, but I'm just not necessarily so pro their modern range of vehicles. I very much understand what the F1 represents. Listen, I, I was born in '81, so this is exactly my wheelhouse for childhood kind of dreams. Now, I, I get it, but at the same time, I feel unfortunately with. Especially the spread of wealth nowadays in society, the car manufacturers themselves are especially finding more and more, more and more reasons to snap people for money. Actually, you know that's a difficulty for me now. That's not to say the product at the end is not going to be magnificent, which I'm sure it will be. But I guess I, I guess I'm slightly, uh, I don't know, I'm slightly negative about the, the whole kind of concept behind them. I get range toppers, I get laps, I get P1s, I get 918s, because that's what they are. They're Especially the they if they then go racing. Yes. Well, all the other ones are going to be going racing, aren't they? Valkyrie's going to go racing. Quite possibly. There'll be a McLaren, at the, probably maybe the Senna GTR type GTR. race car type thing. Yeah. Probably. The Project 1's going to go racing. might do, like, oh. That's maybe there'll be an FXK type thing that will be... Racing. In truth, that's probably what I'm more excited about now. I'm, more, I'm yeah. And then seeing the road version of that is cool because it's the road version. Yeah, of that. yeah. And I think I think it will give it a slight bit more kind of validity to the whole to the whole project, rather than it necessarily being a vanity thing. Which I think there's always a danger of these things becoming. But I think you're right. I think race ethos that seems to be coming into the range toppers of these hypercar manufacturers, I think is actually going to be quite interesting for the, the, the next generation. Because that's what it all is, is race cars for the road. And yeah, when you're growing up, if you're into cars and racing, you sort of follow them on. And the cars that are driving around the on, like right now, the hybrids and stuff, they're just not, they're not that relatable. No, they're not. Now, I've raced a prototype, like a small prototype, not that level at all. But so I have an idea of what those things are, and that makes it quite interesting to me. Yes. But nowhere near the level of I go, I've got a 911, and there's a 911 banging around. Yeah. Or, and then there is another car that's above the 911 that you can buy on the road, but there's a freaking mental Le Mans one that's banging out laps and setting records and all that sort of stuff. That's way more interesting. I think that's why I've got uh, a big soft spot for... Well, really, the 60s in general, but post-war, kind of 50s, early 60s motoring was brilliant because everything got raced, you know. You had gentlemen racers in their short wheelbases and stuff like that, and everything everything was very much about... It's about doing what you could do with what you had. 
Um, and uh, you know, I think that's uh, that, that was a nice era rather than it just being a question of I've got more money than you. I do think there's this, a slight thing that you know how everyone's saying they're going more racy. Yes. Whenever someone uh, people have different opinions about stuff, so you know, shoot me down. If I quite often get uh, as people I come across on friends that they look at something like a I don't know four five eight GT three. Yeah. And they're like ultimate road car is to take that car and put it on the road. Yeah. Now, in my experience, having driven some race cars, I have absolutely no desire no to drive desire. one of those on the road. No. Like, they're not suited to the road. They're not, would not, I don't think they'd be enjoyable. No. I think it would be an extreme experience. Very much so. But more so for Potentially extremely but... uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, There's the road legal FFX, FXXK. Yeah. You know, there's a... Uh, is there a really XXK or is there just a FXX? FXX. The Enzo one. Yeah, the yeah. Enzo one. Apologies. Which is quite yeah. cool. Which is quite cool, but surely you could have just gone and bought, like, a Gembala Mirage or something. Like... Uh, yeah, a completely wanted... different car. <sighs> completely no, not, different no, 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 not Mirage GT. MiG-21. Completely different car. But it's an FXX, An FXX is a track-designed... Yeah. Car. The Gambala Mirage GT. I don't mean the Mirage GT, I mean the MiG 21. Sorry, the MiG 01 Enzo based body kit car is just an Enzo with a body kit. Hasn't it got, the some, FXX, hasn't it got larger um, it might intercoolers? Ha- it might have some slight modifications, something. but the FXX is designed as a race car. Yeah. So on track, that as an experience will be another um, level yeah, above another level, another and whenever level. now I see these crazy super expensive cars I understand there is definitely a market for being able to drive something to the track drive it around the track and drive it home but when you're spending a shit ton of money I don't know what that like couple of grand or 1500 quid for someone to take it there for you on a trailer and you drive there in your wraith yeah. And have a chilled out yeah. ride to the track. You then strap into your race car on slicks and you can bang laps all day. Yeah, yeah, long. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas a Senna, I've, I've heard, is a bit of a monster on tyres. And potentially, if you're. The number I heard, which may not be correct, was you can do about six laps and then you need a new set of tyres. Wow. So, like, really? Yeah. And then someone said you couldn't put it in slicks. I don't believe that. But I, I understand you may have to change the suspension and stuff, might need changing. So that's maybe where your GTR comes along. We've just come up to a navigation point where we need to turn right. Yeah. In 1.5 kilometres. Sorry. Brilliant, brilliant. Just a brief bit of navigation there that's absolutely was, not there, relevant to anyone else. Listening. Not relevant to anyone else, but was done so poorly, it's quite funny. <laughs> um, so I don't know where we've sort of looped around with that car. I don't know like where they come, like, what is... The, my sort of question was like what is the point of the cars okay. but at the same time if there's a customer for it yeah. fair play like, yeah, it's fair not it. all cars for I me I think you're completely and right and I'm not all and actually I'd rather see these cars exist than not than exist, not exist. Yeah. and, you, and in, in a day of dumb, you know dumbing down everything and restricting everything and like I something think like the Apollo yeah which actually is bringing a bit more of whether it will work I don't know but a, an actual race sequential gearbox on the road it's going to be... A, that's going to be interesting. It is. But it's a V12 
like loud outrageous design yeah and they're saying all we want this to do is be fun and awesome yeah that's I mean that's magnificent because that, that that should be cars like I don't think you need to say this car is the fastest no. track road car no because like let's say my SR3 yeah I went past a 918 on the track like it was standing yeah. still and partly because you're not going to drive your 918 on track like a mentalist. You might do. Well, you there might are do, some yeah. people that will, but if you turn it in the gravel, you're it's that's a really bad day. Yeah. And is. if I put my GT3 in the gravel, it'd be a really bad day. So yeah. I would drive that a notch down. That I would drive my radical. But yeah. also, the radical weighs like 600 kilos, has a couple of hundred, 250 horsepower, and 600 kilos of downforce, and slicks and all that stuff. And it just lap it laps faster than a GT3 race car, and mm. it costs a tenth yeah. of the price. Yeah. So if you're going to play the like I'm faster beep game, you could just do it a get a track way. car yeah, and you can yeah, do it a lot yeah, cheaper. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's got to be about the experience on track. If yes. it's about the experience, you want the engine that sounds mental. You want the thing to look, or you've got to look at that car and go, oh. Well, this is the thing. Okay, part of my issue about the Senna is they say it's function over form, but for time immemorial in automotive design, people have married the two things together. Yeah, and like if you look at organic shapes, which are generally, you look at a modern F1 car, yeah, and it's a everything's organic, but like in a crazy engineered way, yes, and you can make things look good, yeah, and I don't think you should make something. I don't know. For me, the Senna doesn't look... It just doesn't, it just do doesn't it look at good. all. Not it at doesn't all. look Not good. P1 came out, and someone I know like, was like, I don't care how much money that costs, as long as it's within, you know, X ballpark. Yeah. But, like, that is plain horny. I want that car. When you saw it in race mode, I when it came out, you're like, Poof. Yeah, yeah. You didn't. You didn't need to tell me the specs and what lap time it can do. Yeah, to... to, 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 so they meant to yeah, go, to create Oh, no, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. You know, design is that's interpreted by the person looking at it. But for me, you've got to you've got to want the car to start with. Yeah, you do. You do. Of course. And you that do. experience has got to be. If it's an, if it's a really expensive car, I think it's got to give you an experience that's above what you can get. The, well, yeah, on some some else. other standard products. I think that's very true. This yeah. loosely brings us. We're talking about track stuff. Brings me around to something that came out yesterday. Maybe is lap times. One slightly, do they mean anything? But also, the Event Store SVJ, hey. which is the replacement to the Event Store SV, which is the sort of track version of the Event Store, the Super Veloce. Um, has just set a 6.44.97 ring time, which has pipped the 911 GT2 RS for probably double the price. Um, yeah, actually thinking about probably. it. Probably. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, uh, GT2 RS is two... 280. No, they're not. They're 225, yeah. okay, plus the Vysac, which is 28. No. Yeah, so they're like 250. So 253, plus I whatever else you want in the thing. I spec that it was 245. Fine, whatever, I'm saying, fine. We'll, 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 we'll say 260, just to cut okay. the middle ground. 260, your event store SVJ is probably getting towards 475. Maybe more. I don't know. Uh, Roadster's probably It's difficult to get prices on these things. Yeah, we were discussing this the other day as well. Like, Why don't people put pricing on their website? I think because if, if you've got to ask how much it is, you can't afford one. No, I think the 
That's just not a question that I've ever heard in the real world. I've heard it as an answer to that question as how much it is. And they say, well, if you ask how much it is, you can't afford it. Yeah, well, that, you go, that's not true. I'm sorry, yeah. potentially, no. All of the people that are buying one and can afford one are ask you how, how much, much it is. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because fine. when you say how much it is, then you go, yes, no, mm, need to think about that. But like, you get the price. In part two of the podcast, we'll come away from semantics yeah. and go back to... <laughs> am I turning right here, by the way, if we're just oh, doing quick... Oh, I've no idea. Was it that right? Yeah. yeah. Was we'll, it that we'll, right? We'll work it out. We need to turn around... Oh, hang on. I'll do some navigation. But we can carry on. Oh, bus lane. Why don't car manufacturers... And I think part of it also, there's a really creepy guy... Yeah. Standing on the side of the road. Oh, it's like a, like a mime. Mime standing on the side of the road. I think it's, it partly boils down to this sort of attitude that some manufacturers have with sales. You go into their showroom mm. of making you buzz in. Yes. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Oh, they now, love that. They love that. I'm sorry, but like the main purpose of the showroom is to show people the car mm. and build excitement for the brand, mm. the cars, mm. sell cars, decide whether you like it or not, you know, let kids... You know, people that don't let people sit in the cars. I understand if it's a customer's car and it's waiting for delivery, but if it's your demo car that's to be shown and stuff, let people open the door. You know, can ask if they want to have a sit in it or whatever. Have a look around. The five-year-old who gets in the Aventador or something, they will remember that for yes. a really long time. A and really I, long I always time. try and make a serious effort when I'm around people and I'm at an event or something. If some kids... Well, generally, most people actually say, "Can I sit in the car?" I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's just a car. Yeah. Like, I don't want four hundred people doing it and ruining the side box. No, or which whatever. is fine. But which is another advantage of having rock solid bucket seats. Um, there's another one of these mine people. It might be the same one. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not. not. I don't, the weird thing is, he's kind of like Charlie Chapman, but he's not actually doing anything other yeah. than a slightly sideways walk. Yeah. No, thanks, buddy. It's um, weird. I'm. Slightly confused. Yeah. So apparently, um, Belgium don't have people that wash a windscreen at traffic lights. No, there's a policeman over there, or a traffic cop, and then a mime with a cane and a little bucket. Policeman's got a gun. I'm surprised he hasn't bring that, brought that in, actually, as yet. Um, Maybe the guys that weren't dressed up as mimes are no longer here. Interesting. I... That's how it's evolved. 
It's weird. It's slightly weird. Now we carry off here, and now uh, I think I want to kind of and ba- veer off. <laughs> back to just like showrooms and that ethos of welcoming people and making it a nice environment. You walk into most showrooms and they're super quiet and they're not a very inviting experience. No, like, not. And it's not necessarily the staff's fault, but it's just because there's lot, generally lots of open space between cars, especially the higher end you go, yeah. the more space there is, and there's a car in a spotlight on a circular thing. And like, if you go within 400 metres of it, someone comes up to you and kind of asks you how much you're worth and can yeah. you afford this car. Yeah. Um, I had a, a very pleasant experience walking around a dealership recently and I was wearing a very crumpled t-shirt and I walked around for like half an hour and not what it was a big dealership and probably like 200 staff not one person came up to me and said oh can I help you which was I thought was a bit odd but actually quite nice yeah so like I think dealerships need to be more friendly oh dealerships certainly need to be more friendly and that that sort of thing starts with having prices on your I don't know whether it's a marketing thing or like a some sort of thing of if you put a price on something everyone knows what the price is and therefore yeah. you can't change the price yeah. like I would say some hypercar manufacturers like to give different prices to different customers yeah. I've heard of this happening I think that's probably quite true um, so they would never write down a price no. because they lose their whatever percentage they want yeah, to make yeah, a margin yeah. on that day uh, and also I think with the, the rise of kind of bespoke at that level of car purchasing as well there has become such variance in pricing anyway you know the the difference between if you want your on the road price can can vary by like a hundred grand if you're buying a, oh probably even F12, more uh, uh, oh, oh eight twelve yeah, yeah 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 if yeah, you yeah. go above that and you're doing like an MSO spec P one or whatever you could buy a new seven twenty S for the for the, the price of the options yeah for the the gold that you want in your engine bay which does look very good well I just you know I just sold a seven twenty S performance that had fifty eight thousand pounds of carbon. Um, as options from the factory which you know on a car that started off at let's say 200 you know it's a lot of money to be throwing into it, it additionally so <laughs> where we started before we've gone off on that so um, I think my conclusion is everyone needs to be a lot friendlier to everyone to everyone way more inviting yeah. just nice and like maybe have music playing in your showroom and like you know drinks or whatever just don't make it feel awkward but where we started was eventual SVJ, yeah. just under 6.44. Now, kind of, what is the point in that lap time? One, Ooh. will a... Well, one question is, will a customer car ever do a 6.44? <laughs> 97. <laughs> I suspect it actually might with this car. Because... Okay. It kind of looks like it's going to be a badass car. Well... I'm but, a massive Lamborghini fanboy. So they are the only people that make real supercars. They're the, they're, they're the only people that make real supercars. Partly because Not, if you drive a car a as one. an eight-year-old, you drew it as a wedge and yeah. you put four wheels on it. That's an Aventador. And now, if you ask anyone what a supercar is, yeah, of uh, this this generation, the poster car is the Aventador. Will be the Aventador without a shadow. You pull up in an Aventador, and someone's got something that's worth ten times the price. They're looking at the Aventador, yeah, of course, because it looks like a crazy thing. Now, it's a 
as a car to drive most people seem to own them to drive around yeah. slowly and as a car to drive around slowly if, if you want the look thing it nails it nails if you want it. the noise it nails it nails it as a slow driving experience it's awful yes the gearbox is horrible yes. the visibility is awful you yes. can't see very much which actually slightly as to my reference of earlier of how supercars have got too easy that is why the Aventador is a supercar because you yeah, it's hard it's work driving that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, whether that should be the case, who knows? But actually, I give it to Lamborghini. They're, they've said we are only putting naturally aspirated. Yeah, and even metal even, engines, even post, the hurricane, even the, post um, Aldi, you know, the, the era, you know, we had the Diablo GT, and then it moves through the Diablo Six liter VT. Shall I, shall I say it's the first car out of uh, Aldi's ownership, and then. What you haven't seen is any dilution to what the brand identity really is. I mean, I'm going to be interested to see more Uruses on the road, see what it really kind of is as an impactful car. But one thing no one can deny is that, you know, since 2002, I guess, there's no other manufacturer that's done it quite as well. I wouldn't say so anyway. In terms of that level of the market... Yeah, from something to look at and, and nailing the supercar kind of yeah. thing. If you're ignoring all badges, yeah, and what people think of the uh, they they've, they've nailed it. Even the addition of even the sensible addition to their market and to their customer base, like you know, not folding to to requests, but the fact that they moved two wheel drive on the Gallardo and the Huracan gave options for those opened them up massively to a lot bigger of an audience yeah you know? I have absolutely no desire to own any modern Lamborghini no. it's, just, it's just not me other than they look really cool yeah but I'm a rear wheel drive person I like it's just a bit more involvement in day to day scenarios and I don't care that it's a bit faster over ground but yeah like again you can go back to your RS4 estate and you will be going faster than I will be going in my Performante probably because it's got a bit of understeer but hey they've both got a bit of understeer yeah. but, <laughs> but like it's not about going you're on the road yeah and if you're on the track four wheel drive is not more fun no than rear wheel drive no it's just not it's safer and it's more it makes the crazy horsepower figures and performance figures that we've got nowadays it makes it easier to lower that 0-60 number yeah and it makes it easier and more accessible, accessible for people to be able yeah. to drive that car fast. But I would, yeah, I don't know. I just, for me, like it, we were both at Goodwood and we both saw that Singer lightweight uh, DLS, uh, which is, if you haven't seen what this car is uh, and you don't know what a, a normal Singer is, a Singer is a, a nothing sings for a 911 that you send to Singer and they turn it into this sort of beautiful sculpture of a car and they're about £450,000-ish, give or take fifty pounds to £100,000 each way. Really nice-looking thing. And then they have done a lightweight project with Williams, and it's just turned it up to... It's basically oh, brought that yeah. car... For me, their interpretation is like a modern-day sort of supercar that still looks like it's based on an old Porsche. Yeah. And you can't... No modern manufacturer could make that because... It doesn't have airbags. It wouldn't do the crash struck. Like it wouldn't do pedestrian safety. Like, it's modern cars have been bloated, and this thing is small. But they've done a naturally aspirated, 
500 horsepower air-cooled engine that's like an absolute thing of beauty. You look at the interior and it's an exercise in minimalism with exquisite modern sculptural design. design. Everyone now is putting screens everywhere and stuff and it just looks crap. Like, whilst I appreciate you have to have screens, like the the new, I thought it was a very class act, is the new Continental GT, which has a revolving screen. It's it's like a five grand option or something. But when you turn the car off, it flips around and you can either have these nice clock clock or or just just a plain bit of wooden paneling. And that car will not look dated no, in a hundred years' yeah, time. That, uh, yeah, but well, one of my other bugbears about the car market is the increasing expense. You know, um, in, in terms of uh, replacement models, they, everything is a lot more expensive. A than lot more expensive than it used to be. Conti GT is a very good case in point. In truth, I mean, first editions you're looking at about two hundred thousand. Yeah, which I think's. You know, not a lot really for a Bentley, but when you consider what the Conti GT was previously as a starter, 130, you know, it's a it's a fair old jump up. Yeah, it's, it's mental. Um, I although I think that car for me has taken a step up. The old Continental yes. GT, I wasn't interested at all. This one is beautiful. This one just looks. It does. I saw, I saw one real the other day. Um, and then saw another one actually pretty quickly after it and I was you know quite taken aback actually by how impactful it was you know considering considering a Conti GT has been a relatively ubiquitous design around London yeah. for the past 10 years um, you know seeing this one really did kind of impress me um, I'm going to have to pause for one second because <laughs> it's an absolute nightmare uh, and we'll resume in a second just in a little coffee break yeah and then we'll be back we'll be back back from a slight break slight break uh, basically what happened is I think one of the audio is disconnected but also we've been driving along oh. in this 30 40 degree outside without the aircon on because we didn't want it to get in the way of the, the audio but it actually just got to the point where we were both dying just, just dripping with so sweat so we now have seat cooling which considering we were being rather round the houses with our conversation topics before could actually lead us on quite well onto one which would be the car we're in yes okay so we're in the LC 500 Sport Plus Sport Plus V8 470 ish horsepower yep rear wheel drive naturally aspirated yep cruiser cruiser and we've been cruising we have and, and really I guess you know doing something that's the sort of thing that they envisage the car will be utilised yeah. for which is you know we road will, trip road trip we're three countries in silly as that may sound we actually are you know yeah England down to the tunnel across into France France across into Belgium so it, it, you know we're, we're giving it a real tryout in in you know the best possible conditions and it's performing pretty admirably, I have to say. It's, I think, it doesn't sound like necessarily the best compliment of a thing, but the best thing is, I just haven't really thought about yeah. it. Like, we're just munching miles, yeah. having a chat. Like, we've got the seat you're cooling on, which is absolutely Which amazing. is the greatest thing ever. Considering how it is. But 
we're just sort of cruising along, munching the miles, and before we sort of think about it, we, this is why we keep having navigational issues because we're like, oh, because we're oh, seventy no. kilometres down the road. We've actually we haven't got this, this turning that was like f- four hours down the road. Um, but having a little look round, the interior is. It's, 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 this is a sort of eighty-five thousand pound car, which well, what's sort of comparable to that? In terms of price, it's an interesting one actually, because as we were saying, in terms of uh, you know the cost of some products nowadays, everything's sort of got more. Everything's expensive. got kind of more expensive. So I guess if you were willing to maybe chump up another ten, you get yourself an S five hundred coupe maybe. Yeah. Um, um, BMW, what are you in at, at that point? You're in a six. You're probably six in the new eight series. A sort of, or like a, maybe an M something. Um, I don't know what M you'd be in at that point. Well, you're you, sort you, of you, M4, you, M4, M4 competition with a host of options. But if you, those, ignoring second-hand prices, because yeah. those are such a bargain right now in terms yes. of that, whether they'll just seem to have dropped tons in the UK. Um, I know my M2 like when I was buying it people were like you're crazy because you can get an M4 for less yeah but actually I didn't want an M4 yeah you've got to buy for what you want Um, now it is it is not afflicted but but kind of no afflicted is categorically the worst word I'm taking that out it does have an interior that it categorically, and I think, you know, Lexus themselves would say, probably isn't up to the level in terms of aesthetically as the as the, the modern German yeah. interior. If you got into a modern German car, there's there's similar things, but it's it, the design's just not it, it it's been designed but it's just not quite the same. It's not the same got the it's, same level as you'd get in a modern German car. But, having said that, it's a very comfortable place to be. The ride the seat's comfortable. Very pliant. The seats are very comfortable. The air conditioning works. We've got air cooling well. vents everywhere. Um, the music system's actually pretty good. Bluetooth audio, etc. You've got uh, Mark Levinson sound. Only one cup holder. Only which one is cup like a really random... I say it's a random thing, but it, to me... It mean it, on a road trip. There's two of us, and it's actually we bought a coffee yeah. each. We get back in our GT Cruiser, and only one of us gets to put it in a cup holder. The other one has to work out some sort of knee mesh scenario, and I just don't understand why people do it. No, I'm not a massive, a massive fan of it. I and, I, and I think some people say like the, the way Porsche do it, where they your cup holders aren't visible. You wouldn't even know they're in there. Yeah, exactly. And then they just sort of appear out of nowhere, and then they're useful. And then when they're not, they go back away. And I wonder if people could sort of do something like that. Whether it's like a little press button by my knee down here, where there's loads well, of stuff. Came out through the, and it yeah, would just yeah, slide yeah. out, and it's like a just a small thing that would then hold your cup, and then you can get rid of it when you don't need it. That'd be a great idea. That would be yeah. I'll uh, take commission on that. So any uh, any design people out there that are doing interiors on uh, major manufacturing Manufacturers' vehicles. Probably a team of three hundred people. Cup holders. Cup holders. You get it right. That, that should be that should be your word of two thousand and eighteen. Cup holders. Yeah. Just keep saying it. You know. Have a I have wonder, an ideas session about it. Do, do you think this is potentially a cup holder? No, because it's square. But 
work, bear with me here. It shuts. Yeah, but it shuts. And it's got a curve. Where? On the... So here, the design part, you know, it's got a curve there. Oh, that's quite interesting. So we've... Sam... Let's get a big Sam bottle. Here is, like, just going mental we'll on ergonomics. Put it in the middle. Does it work? Okay, you can get a massive size bottle of water in there, but let's take the coffee cup. And I'm putting it in this centre console, and if you... Anyone's eager of beavers out there wants to Google what a centre console that is. That kind of works. Actually... It kind of works actually. We, we kind of do maybe have two. Maybe we've got two cup holders. So and there is a little support point there. Yeah, on the end. We kind of do have. All two right. Cup so holders. Lexus, we apologise. <laughs> um, we we obviously should have spent maybe a little bit more time um, researching the, uh, the the ergonomic. There is a space the that would work quite well as an extra as, cup, as cup, holder. cup holder. There is definitely one though. As you have um, one that looks like. But aside from that, you know, you've got a you've got a relatively kind of standard centre um, bezel um, that, as you flip through the the modes, kind of changes whether it's just giving you revs, whether it's giving you ten gears, ten gears, um, which is mental, mental. I mean, it's done for efficiency. I think when we, if you're driving sort of fastish, we haven't done, we haven't really got so much twisty or anything, no, anything like that. But I reckon you're okay with five. Yeah, you're not really going to use more than five. Just like just in driving, but when you're in automatic and just munching along, it seems to, it just seems to. I've got no problems with the gearbox whatsoever. Oh, I've, got no, I've got no problems with it whatsoever. And it's probably helping with that fuel economy. Well, they said about the efficiency. So just so everyone's aware, we are we're about 110 k's from the circuit. So that'll give you some indication of how far we're into the journey. Now, the journey's been from Epsom in Surrey um, down to Folkestone, obviously, to get on the train. We got on the train. That didn't involve any driving, just in case anyone's curious. Um, that was a joke, by the way. And they came out the other side in France, and now we're, you know, cross countrying it. So with 110 k's left of the journey, and with a car that started with a tank that was probably 1.5 millimetres off full, we're still at half a tank. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that's pretty good. Your the MPG, just doing a little conversion because we're currently at kilometres an hour, so it's 9.2 kilometres per litre. I have a feeling this car has a very big tank because just from my quick precursory Google before it brought up the page, yeah. that was something like 20. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a point that suddenly all my information just gets gunned down. Also, we do at some point need to. Oh, we got half a tank. We're half a tank. I don't think we'll need it. I don't think we'll need to get fuel before we turn up. Oh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right. See how that goes. Um, what's the other stuff? Uh, the the things you notice straight away, and there was a hundred percent a giggle. Was when I started the oh, car up. Wow. It sounds raucous. It sounds raucous. Like that. That naturally aspirated engine yeah. is potentially a reason to buy this car and alone. You know what? That I'm completely with. I am. Because the funny thing as well is when you think of Lexus, you think of technology. You do think of them being at the full forefront, you know, partly of the hybrid technology, obviously through the, 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 the partnership, well, the ownership of Toyota anyway. So, yeah, they're kind of synonymous with technology but then when I read that they did this in the two models first and you know they had the hybrid model to think that they had created a 5 litre naturally aspirated V8 and stuck it in this I thought okay 
that in itself was great but then there was that danger that because it is a GT Cruiser that everything would be turned down to about 6 yeah. everything would be a little bit softer a little bit more pliant a little bit more cosseting but then we switched it on and fine a cold start but I mean it was hellfire and brimstone if wasn't you it? put a, a loud exhaust on this no, it'd be ridiculous. It would, it would suddenly feel like a raucous kind of it muscle suddenly, it, car. It would feel twenty percent quicker. Yeah, and the experience, the that sort of side of the experience would be, yeah, yeah, significantly more. Yeah, like we'd be bumbling on that and it'd be like, and then you put it like, like. But at the same time, in sport mode, it is a little bit more like that in sport plus mode, should I say? Um, but. There is always that point that maybe you don't want that. Maybe there is a point that if you're going these kind of distances, you just want to sit and just want to be chill. And we are sat and we are chill. Yeah. And, you know, we're having a conversation that's being, well, obviously being recorded. But and hopefully the audio comes out quite good. Because we're does. reasonably well insulated from I mean, the you know, environment. There's minimal road noise. Um, it's pretty wafty, I'd say, in kind of normal in terms of a setup. I think that was like the first. I had it in sort of normal or the comfort dynamic setting when I drive out of the car park. And my first thing was like, this wafts quite well. Yeah, <laughs> it's an odd thing to say, but like, it just had the like brrr of I've, the engine. I've just put it like in effortless power. Normal. And a comfy sort of suspension setup. Seats comfy. I got the position nailed down. And actually, I, I can. I've. I, I think get, when we get out of this, if, once think, we've got the aircon on, we're going to feel bloody great. Uh, yeah, that's just what I was going to say. I don't think we're going to arrive at Spa and not want to drink. No. Which is magnificent. And <laughs> when we get to Spa, there's a bunch of GT3 race cars. Oh, that's actually that's something that we're going to have to follow up on. We're going to have to do a podcast on the way back now. Um, experiential rides around Spa in their GT3 Cup car. Yes, they have a, a GT3, one of their prototype GT3 race cars, so it's above the Cup car. Oh, sorry. Um, Look at me underselling which, it. Which they now have, they've just released this year their GT3 race car, which is why I think they're doing, having us along and a bunch of stuff, a bit more promo around it, and it's been doing quite well. Uh, competing wise uh, but yeah that's like a full on GT3 race car that you're going to get in a passenger seat and you're going to go for a lap I'm really looking forward I'm really to excited it. yeah about I'm that. really excited I'm slightly annoyed that we're doing an out lap and an in lap and I'm pretty sure we're out lapping that's a very good question actually I don't know what pits the car's going to be in yeah this because is what there's we're two pits about. at Spa and one the pit exit drives up Eau Rouge and one, the pit exit comes out at Le Source, which then runs into Eau Rouge. So one of those two, we will get an Eau Rouge pretty flat out on it. And one, we'll just get the rest of the circuit, which is which epic. Which is epic. But if you say, what is yeah. iconic if, if, yeah, if you say what's corner iconic in the world? Spot, yeah, or about any racetrack. Eau Rouge. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the chance of going in a GT3 race car, I'm well excited I'm really about. excited about and just the chance and just just being able to go around I've got photo access which is the best access you can have on any event unless you I don't know are the owner of the circuit or something yeah. but even then I'm sure you're not actually allowed to go where the photo people go because you have to have liability right, for yeah. standing basically in places humans shouldn't be allowed to stand which means you can stand 
next to a car going past you at 150 into a rouge and you can lean over the barrier and if you lean too far their wing mirror will clip your head and you get that experience of just these cars just raging around now there's also hilarious the awful clips as well of tyres flying into photography and stuff like that so you you do have to kind of have your wits about about you you, but it's an amazing experience and I think I was planning on making a video of this trip and one was I think it was going to be about the car but I think whether it's one or two part of it I think definitely needs to put in some of that experience of being around the track and just sort of showcasing what it's like to be there because you see these events like I've like heard of like Le Mans 24 hour Spa 24 hour and been to some of them and you you don't get an idea from most people's coverage whether it's photos or whatever of what it's actually like to be there the be in the, the, pits, the visceral experience and how like, yeah. what is it like to be next to these things mm-hmm. as they're hooning around at the speeds they're hooning around in the wet in the dark yeah yeah and some of the guys, this is the Blanc Pain race. So there's a bunch of pro teams, kind of factory team. Like the Lexus is basically, I think it's a factory team run by, it's like a factory supported yeah, team yeah, yeah. with pro drivers. But some of the drivers are amateur gentlemen racers. You know, they're potentially very good, but gentle, like guys that are paid to be there and have gone racing. And they're like, I love Ferrari, so I yeah. bought a Ferrari GT3 oh, yeah, GT, race car, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm gonna race it around in the dark, in the wet. Like what? Whatever You're crazy! Possible, and yeah. then these pros are gonna be one millimeter from your bumper as you go up Eau Rouge, and you better not think, "Oh my God, what if they don't break yeah, when yeah, I yeah, break?" Yeah, yeah. Because you'll end up in the wall. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be my first Blanc Pan series race. Um, my first time at, uh, at Spa, so everything's coming as a bit of a kind of sensory overload for yeah. me, you know? Yeah, it, I, I think it'll be very interesting because I've been to a lot of uh, classic racing events recently. Yeah. I've been to Spa a bunch of times, and I'm not, I haven't done anything modern in a while, but this is your first experience, and actually that's, that's quite a good feedback point of yeah. what it's like, because I get to spend a lot of time around these sorts of cars, not necessarily GT3 race cars, but this sort of thing. Yeah. And I, you get a bit used to it. You're like, oh yeah, okay, fine. That was just a whatever flying past. As but much no, as, as much that's as a six, seven, eight hundred grand. Well, that's the thing. GT3 as much race as, car. As much as cars are now my business, um, cars are you know been my passion since I was like three years old. So I get you know I get excitable, like genuinely excitable, like a little child around things like this. So I am going to be incredibly excited about the whole kind of. About everything that's going on, you know, from the point of the car park through to everything, you know, free food, free alcohol, yeah. yay, cars, yay, you know, like so the whole thing's been pretty magnificent. And yeah, I think it actually it will be quite interesting to see the kind of the the polarity of you not not being you know blasé about it, but you having kind of experienced the thing not day in day out, but you know through through various experiences and me. As a first timer at a kind of series event like that, yeah. um, yeah. I'm definitely going to try and add in some of the things that you possibly wouldn't do if you just went yeah. to your first one. So, for example, if you go to a race and you've got, uh, you know, some people and they might have uh, hospitality or something like that, or you, you may, let's say, spa, 
tend to stay around the spa kind of central complex yeah. with the big corners and the cars in the garages, which is awesome, especially at night, seeing all these cars come in, flamed, brakes, smashed up cars, duct tape, like all this stuff is amazing. But you also need to, like at sunset time, you need to go and get out onto the track. Yeah. And go and see these, like, cars racing around at sunset is amazing because you get the flames and the brakes and then the epic light. And then nighttime, like, it's, as a photographer, you always see people do light trails, these big, like, yeah, 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 lights yeah. going through the things and stuff like that. But actually, just being around at night is a 24 hour race. Like, yeah. People are having parties. I don't know what the Spa 24 is going to be like in that regard. I know the Nurburgring 24 it sounds like a mental one. That just sounds awesome. Le Mans has got, always got stuff going on. Like just the night atmosphere not to do with racing yeah and then I don't know what, what point in this event you sleep because I, I don't want to go that. home yeah. I, I, I don't want know to be there when the sun comes up now there's definitely going to be a middle bit so I think watch sunset see some night racing yeah maybe go to sleep for like three four for a couple hours. of hours yeah. get up do the sunrise and then there's still like four, probably seven hours of racing after sunrise. So maybe go back to sleep for Three a couple hours, of hours. Get up because get some food the ideal would be maybe hang around at the track for another day. But yeah. we've got a jet back, or not jet back, but drive back to the UK afterwards. So we can't we can't both be dead. No, so maybe we'll, we might be doing a bit of a tag team. Yeah, uh, we'll actually co- every three hundred yards. We'll be in the hybrid. Uh, at that point yeah time. we will be actually but um, yeah I, I'm excited to show you a bit of what it's like from yes. my point of view yeah and then I'm also excited to see how you're going to see it as a new person yeah. because you'll see stuff I mean just us walking around you find things interesting that I couldn't care less about oh yeah I like stuff he's like that's a Mercedes I know you, you, you have to give an example and I'm like what what you're like no but they, they made four of them and it was a blah and it's got the, the new light on it well we, we actually funny I enough coming, coming up to the uh, the uh, Euro tunnel we got out to go and get some food from the, the, the lounge place and parked up um, at the front was a very long and very low brown 70s car which I immediately was like incredibly excited by because it was like a Lamborghini Espada yeah now Sam, I was like that's quite cool it was quite cool but I, I, I don't think you were quite as uh, no you you were yeah, and I, it was brown I was talking about how I love a brown car <laughs> I love a brown car so I, I, I was giddy you know so yeah there's all those like, there's just it's just interesting it's going to be fun it's, it's going to be fun and like I was when I was at Le Mans I got a chance to spend some time with some older guys walking around and I was I'm sorry I was at the Le Mans Classic so I know about the I'd say sort of in terms of endurance racing I didn't really follow as a kid my parents weren't into it I got up as I've got more into cars when I've been older so like 15, 16, 17, 18 that sort of age quite paying attention so for me 2000s was like super interesting yeah uh, I now love Porsches and stuff like 70s Porsches so seeing all the RSRs and then the 2.7 RS, 935, 935, like 935, yeah. like all the big mental crazy stuff that I love. As soon as you start getting older than that, I kind of get it. 
but the more time I spend around it, the more time I get of it. But I don't understand the older things like the 20s, 30s, 40s. Ooh, the era stuff. Of co- I do like a coach building era. And I got to wander around with someone who was super knowledgeable about yeah. that stuff. And I said to him, I was like, look, I just want you to give me a bullet point interesting fact about that car. Yeah. And he'd be like, that car was the first car to 100 miles an hour. Or, you know, that sort of thing. Or just something interesting about it that I don't know yeah. that then gives me an in- interesting reference point for that car for in the future. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, why yeah. it's interesting. Because yeah. if you just say, oh, that's the blah, 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 made it blah, 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 blah. Like, so what? Nah. I know, yeah, no, I, I, I always try and contextualise a comment if I will do, like, it was the precursor to X, it was the model that essentially followed on into Y. Yeah. Like, even when we were talking about the R8 earlier, because we were talking about concept cars and how they make them through into production, and whether they retain certain design elements or, or not. All of it. We were talking about, one good example was the, uh, the Audi R8 was in iRobot, as a pretty much unchanged um, Geneva concept anyway. So... Little factoids like that are always quite good, um, but I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll wax lyrical about a Nissan Bluebird just as much as I will do a Veyron Super Sport. Yeah. Because when push comes to shove, when's anyone seen a Bluebird before? Like recently, yeah. I saw a 1985 on a B Nissan Bluebird the other day, and I went mental. I was so excited. When we were in Madrid, my girlfriend and I, I ran out of the cafe we were in so I could take a picture of a Renault 21 Savannah. Because when do you see one? We're getting chased down by a GT3 in what looks like graphite blue. <laughs> oh no, it's crayon. Yeah, it's not. I, I think it looks cool. It's not the colour for me. But I do actually think it looks it's a cool colour. Yeah, would you have a, an RS6 in that colour? Um, Nardo grey. Yeah. No, I think it's a bit done. I, I, I have something else done. in Nardo grey. But I don't think I'd have anything made yeah. by Aldi. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Things you see and things you don't see. And I, I oh, find yeah. it interesting at the moment where you see some collectors and having now spent a lot a lot more time with these, this group that is a bunch of guys that take their 90s and 2000s, cars that raced at Le Mans or that era yeah. to track days. And then some of them are road legal and they drive them on the road. And you're like, hang on a minute, this is this is absolutely bonkers. Like a 993 Porsche GT1, and of which they're, they're, I, I don't know the numbers, but let's say there's they made 20 GT1 cars, and there's seven exist, seven, seven, seven 993s, yeah. and like there's one on the road or three on the road or something, and you go, okay, that's actually really rare. Whereas someone that might go and collect all the Ferraris, they made over a thousand each one, and uh, yeah. okay, I you know I I have bought into that thing. I'm like, oh, but that's it. I've got for one. Yeah, and in truth, Ferrari's not the greatest example of that. If I'm completely honest, because Ferrari's always going to have that cachet connected. It does. To it. it does. But like, let's say those cars innately now. I get, see, like a Laferrari like La all the time. 499 of them. That's not a rare car in the context of rare cars. In truth, no, it's in, not. In real terms in of real rare terms. cars. Like the 250 GTO. Porsche 959, okay. 284 models built. Yeah. Still quite a lot. Still quite a lot. you go, 
Okay. But that's half the number of, of, of laps that were made, lap now, averters. Comparing race cars to road cars, in old school terms, like you could go to a GTO and it was a road car that raced. Now, yeah. That obviously transitioned out. But you could say now, if you wanted a, not that they're for sale, a mid-engine 2018 911 RSR that raced at the Mont, Yeah. there were 10. I think they were all mid-engines. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were all mid-engines. I'm not sure whether the customer cars are mid-engine or not. But let's say there's 10 that raced this year. There's two that were factory cars, like proper, the Pig. Yeah. Which is a, a it was the 70th anniversary of Porsche and they took a historic livery the drivers chose the livery of the car and they picked the pig they also did the Rothmans livery yeah. which is a banned livery yeah. nowadays and they said stuff it we don't care it's our history like, well Rothmans is no longer a cigarette brand I don't think I don't think they're in business anymore so no, maybe but, that's how they got past it but yeah it's still like god knows what that car that won the month there's one of those. There's one of those. There's one of those. Yep. Not a thousand, like, not, however, let's say you made a 911R. 900 or whatever it was, 999 or 911 or 500 or whatever it is. 500. There's one mid-end. There's, there's 10 mid-engine 911RSRs and one, one of them won. One. If you have that one that won them on, like... I mean, Porsche are not going to sell that car anymore, but they might one day. That car is, that is a very expensive car. Very expensive car. But there's a whole bunch of that era of like 997 RSR. That there was only a couple that raced in the Mans. Yeah. Maybe like five that raced in the Mans. If you have one of those that put for race in the Mans, that might be a 300,000 pound car. Now, if you try and buy a new, uh, a new GT3 RS right now that's £250,000 now £50,000 more for a one of five cars that races at Le Mans you could probably road legal if you want to go for that crazy thing whoa I know where I put my money but race cars and road cars different things different people get it like yeah. I completely understand that race cars you can't just drive you can't drive that every day you can't experience it every day but it's like a value investment property Thing. You, I guess you also have to look at those buyers because to be a, a race, someone who's after the race car, you have to be a very educated buyer. Yes, we do. There's a lot of people that have earned a lot of money in the last 20 years or didn't know anything about sports cars and are getting into sports yeah. cars. And the, your entry into sports cars is what's the big brands Ferrari, Lamborghini, Porsche, etc. And you go, Ferrari, that's the big Halo one. What are the Halo Ferrari cars? Okay, I've big got five. I've got 100 million to spend on a bunch of cars. So we get the big, we start with the current ones and just go boom, boom, boom. And then as you get more niche, you start getting into competition cars, whatever, as you get older. Alley body cars. And, uh, and, and think, yeah. But like, value in cars, I'm definitely becoming down that line of stories are interesting. Yes, provenance. And actually, uh, I, I sold a camera uh, this week on eBay. I was getting rid of some of my mechanic gear, some sort of switch. And uh, the guy that bought it managed to work out who I was through the PayPal information. And I actually thought, and he was like, he just said, oh, I like your photos, by the way, which completely weirded me out because I thought, how the hell does he know that I, oh, take, wow. that I take photos? How you know me? How you know me? Um, 
But I actually then thought it was like an interesting thing as buying a bit of equipment from someone that you know and rate as a photographer, yeah, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. I actually would never do that because photographers beat their gear. But actually, if I said to you, it works, it does work, but don't buy my camera. Like, it's worth less than one that someone's bought, not used for three years. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I think that's probably pretty true. But you then, you are also buying yourself out of the excuse of, oh, I've got, like, you really do have the camera that can make good pictures if the person that gave it to you was making make good, good pictures. pictures with it. Yeah, or yeah. you could flip side and say, maybe they sold it because it was making good pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the whole story thing like, of, like, cars that have been places yeah. done stuff like, I, I love doing road trips in my car okay so I've got a good one okay there's a 1976 911 3 litre SE for sale um, it had done 681,000 kilometres whoa because the guy that purchased it knew was a Swiss industrialist what he used to do is go to all his meetings across Europe and drive his 911. Yeah. Now, it wasn't original parts or anything like that. He'd obviously come back in. That point. You know, everything's been changed. It was probably on its, you know, sixth clutch and whatever. But the point is, you have a brown, perfect 70s SC coupe that has this story behind it that is, is, is so representative of a car person that you can't help but kind of, you know, have a little bit of an emotional tie to that yeah. as a story. And it does... It, I don't think I would be buying the necessarily the 600,000-mile car, but actually, you do know that the, the, if he drives it every day, all the... And depending on how you interact with that person and you get a feeling of how they are as a person... Yeah. You know whether that car they've sorted all the stuff. I, Everything that needs to be changed in that car has yeah. been changed, upgraded, yeah. sorted, yeah. running. Yeah. Anything is sorted. I, depending I, on I, the person. I may well feel more confident in that car than any other car. I would I would have a seriously hard time buying a really like a you bought your iconic childhood supercar. Let's say you bought a Carrera GT of or a something a bit older. Uh, 288 GTO yeah and you're like that's my poster car and it's done 500 miles yeah and that was like the first year that someone bought it and it's sat and then you buy it you send it back to Ferrari or someone and say and they give you a fat bill to get it running yeah and then are you going to get in that car and drive it 150 miles an hour because okay some people will yeah but no way in hell would I do that because you just don't know that it works and they might say yeah everything's sorted but yeah. you just don't know that everything runs everything works everything's been sorted the wheels haven't fallen off like it, I don't know like there's something about like with my old 911 uh, that car is, it was actually a 78 SC yep. 3 litre before it was changed in about 10 years ago or 9 years ago by someone and I and now as in my current guys but Someone asked me the other day how many miles it's done. I was like, I genuinely don't, don't know. know, and I don't look. And it's 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 like 120,000 miles or something like that. But it had a new engine, or pretty much a new engine, and it's probably done. I don't know, 20,000, 15,000 miles, 20,000 miles since then. I don't know. But whenever that car goes in, it gets everything, it gets everything sorted. That, yeah. And I've driven it to 
northern Sweden in the winter, in like minus 25 on snow. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. And that, I, I presume there's some people following that car now a little bit that go, if I ever sell that car, there's a serious story behind that yes. car. And there's, it's obviously as a photographer, I quite like photographing It's quite well documented. So there's quite yeah. well documented in some videos of it drifting around the snow in the middle of nowhere. Or I took it on the North Coast 500 and all these stories when you've got a, an interesting car. Yes. I think if it's a perfectly mundane car or like a, a perfectly normal example of a normal-ish car, a story is interesting, but you, you want like mechanically depending on what you're looking for you might want matching numbers and stuff like yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. but if it's a car that's a bit different and has been changed and been personalised that in itself becomes something you should, we've seen it with the rise of stuff like Magnus Walker cars yes people spending over money for a car that he's ripped bits apart changed the steering wheel put some holes in a steel in a handle because he's made it how he wants to and he's built up a story around him and him yeah and his cars and that that seems to have added some value to the product now I don't know how that sits with modern cars because modern cars are just inherently meant to be super reliable and yeah stuff yeah and people always say you sometimes get with uh, auction cars and they'll say oh it's owned by you know this famous person so what I don't care. Like, y- you might care. Yeah. But the buyer might not care. Yeah. yeah and yeah, if yeah. they don't care... Then it's, it's really, not worth it. It's not worth anything. Yeah. Yeah, anything yeah. more than they're willing to pay. You see that with sort of... Some celebrities become that person. That their stuff they've touched is more expensive. Mm. But it has to be the story behind it. And it has to be lined up exactly... Yes, Steve McQueen may have owned that car, but actually, did he do anything interesting with it? Or did he just own like, it? Like the John and then Surtees, go rid of it? BMW 507, owned since you, given as a gift after he won the World Championship. Yeah. That's, That's cool. a story. That's a serious and that, story. And that was, you know, that went at probably a 40% premium or yeah. something. It was predicted at 2.2 and it went at 4. And there is. But it's quite funny when people tell you, I. The only person that can evaluate whether that has any value is the buyer. The seller telling you the story, 100% is fine. Tell the story, it's interesting. If it's not interesting, but don't necessarily tell me why that adds value. Yeah, 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 yeah. It adds value, but like, like, oh, it adds value because oh, like, shit. you've got this photo. Sorry, I just ran over a rather large rock. Uh, what what Aaron means is uh, there was a really loud bang from the audio system. If there is now a dent anywhere in this car, it's absolutely nothing to do with us. No, no, it's just, uh, it's fine. It, it, I crushed it. Incidentally, this car is uh, an experience car. They're part of their experience fleet. So it seems to be, uh, whenever they do sort of, I don't know, track events and stuff, and they take five LCs, this is one of those cars. So it has been used a lot, which has got a bit of a navigation thing. Yay! Um, so I don't really know where that we got with that one but valuing cars and yeah and just we started about talking about this car and what it was applicable but I don't know, I don't know where we've gone where we have I think that might be a trend in podcasts podcasts in general yeah you start talking about stuff and then you go in a tangent yeah unless it's completely all set out and if you're still listening yeah fair play you're yeah, still well listening done. and actually maybe you found it interesting and please do tell me yeah 
if you found it interesting. Uh, any feedback, I guess. Any like, feedback? All crap. Well, yeah. If, if it was just pointless, just say it, it was, was interesting. The audio was awful. Yeah. Aaron is baby gorilla. 81. 81 on Instagram. I'm going to have to change that in truth because it just sounds slightly puerile. But anyway, baby gorilla <laughs> 81. Uh, and I'm Sam Moore's photo on all platforms. I did actually have the handle at Sam Moore's when I first joined what Instagram. Um, I thought I had it, and then I I got my started to put my photo stuff, and I was like, okay, maybe I should have Sam Moore's photo and do that for my photo stuff. I didn't know where things were going, and I deleted oh, the other Sam one. Moore's. Why didn't I just deactivate it? Sam and then you'd be like, I could have had a personal account that was could- just my name. My personal account is BabyGorilla81. My work account is the Car Co Chelsea. Just that. You sell cars. Oh, I, I, I sell cars. I sell cars. Yeah, yeah. Import export. Uh, well, no, not 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 necessarily. Not necessarily. No, we we, we do a little bit of everything in truth. Um, we've got a few things in stock. For example, a 991 Gen 2 GT3 manual, manual Club mm. Sport white, fully loaded. Mm. Um. I want to drive one of those cars. Well, we can maybe discuss that if you want to get your GT3 RS out. I think that would be a good. Maybe duo. we could have a, a little day where because I've been asking where there's a little bit of swapsies. I've been trying it. to get one forever from Porsche, but it's still work in progress. Who needs one. Porsche when you've got an Aaron? <laughs> Yeah, said no okay. one ever yeah. Um, but yeah but essentially I think if you can find someone that's got one and, and we can do something I think obviously it's you don't want to put any I found someone any miles you can put 10 miles on mine I don't care we'll drive around London if you want to do um, that yeah I just want a little feeling of what that car's do. like that's yeah. it you um, can't go hell for leather because it's only done 181 miles yeah but. So you just know. bang it off the limiter a little bit. That's what limiter's for, right? Kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. Uh, but you're going to sell it to someone else, and as long as we don't tell anyone about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. Is this still recording? I mean, no one's listening. Uh, no one's listening. The that was the point we not, just made. The buyer's not listening. Nah, 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 nah. No, 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 no. maybe they are. Or maybe they are. Maybe uh, they're in the car. Maybe. Whoa! I see what you did there. Um, um, no, I think we got, we, we, we got bigger fish to fry, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting car, and I'd I'd love to. I'm always looking for replacement to my GT3 RS, and if I can, I do love that car. But if I can get out of it something that on paper and in my heart feels better, I'm all for moving on and actually realizing some of the profit I've made in that car. Yeah, yeah. I've had it for four years. I've done twenty thousand miles. It's been great. Twenty five thousand miles. It's been great. I don't drive it that much because I. The, the luxury, the serious first world problem of having a, a couple of cars. A couple of cars. Is you, it actually becomes more difficult to drive them, and you choose. I've, I've, I've loved driving the old 911, and it, as an experience on a road trip, to me that is more of an experience. It's, yeah, it's more yeah, uncomfy. Yeah. The aircon, it has aircon, but it doesn't work as well. It doesn't work that well. It's okay as long as it's not 35 outside. But the whole thing is more of an experience than an adventure. We've we've got an indicated thirty nine degrees outside the car right now. That's ludicrous. I think there's might be a sort of point to wrap this up because we probably need to stop for some fuel at some point and actually get some food and a refreshment. Yeah, so we fuel, yeah. f- fuel for us. Fuel for us. 
so thank you very much for listening everyone if thank you're you. still there hopefully I'll manage to piece this together and, and got and it on the internet and then maybe there might be a follow up one on the way back on the return journey yeah what we might actually do I might try and rig it up we'll see it's maybe a YouTube live no although I don't think well, what well, we need to well, do is we need to get episode one out, out. whether yeah. that's on YouTube or on podcasts or both or everything and then I think a live one's quite interesting I think people like that and then you can ask questions because it's not just us just rap- talking to each other which we seem to do because we're stuck in the car but yeah but well, like, we've we done pretty about rubbish yeah, 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 all the time and we have Aaron's helping me with some stuff at the moment and we have business meetings that start with a pointer and then then just ram tail off yeah they do and annoyingly Aaron works quite close to where I am so we we it's quite it happens a lot it happens a lot but but we are progressing with various things and the weather the weather's been so good that you know it has been rather conducive for just sitting outside and rambling on about stuff but there should be some fun things to bring you in the not too distant future yeah and hopefully you'll have a listen well whatever whatever happens don't listen see you thank you very much bye yeah whatever bye imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.